Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Rest Easy, a DMP podcast. I'm Andy Stetler, joined by our resident social media trends fortune tellers, Paige Knapp and Alyssa Zanar. Say hey, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, so today, we're taking a look back at our 2019 social media predictions to see what we got right and what we got almost right. And if you'd like to see more, visit newshub.divinepartners.com to see Paige's 2020 social media predictions. Uh, now, Paige, our social media predictions blog post is kind of like a DMP tradition at this point, right? Yeah. At this point, it's um, three years in, I suppose. Three years. We took a look into our social media crystal ball for the first time in 2016. 16. Um, no, that's four years that's now. That's four so years, yeah. We've, we've been doing it for four Four whole years, which is kind of crazy. It's been really fun to watch social media sort of evolve over yeah. those four years. And we really like to see how well you've done. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive in. Okay, Paige, your first prediction calls out that in 2018 uh, was going to be a doozy for privacy rights for social media. So your prediction for 2019 was that the pressure from users would force social networks to tighten their grip on data and limit data that's available to the advertisers. How'd I do on that? That was definitely I think I'm right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Look, Facebook was the prime example of that. Um, Not only were they forced to sort of adjust the data that was available um, because of pressure from advertisers and and users, I suppose, um, but really they they were pressured as a a platform. So I think that some of those responses to, you know, user privacy might have been even more firm than they they necessarily had to be because the brand was under so much pressure, particularly after the election cycle mm-hmm. and when you know obviously we know that there was some that Facebook was an agent of meddling right, right like in right, terms of yeah. um, uh, advertising and things so I just think it was like one of those perfect storms for that crackdown to occur and I think we've saw that all the way through 2019 and I think we're going to continue to see it into 2020 and how we target users via social advertising you know it used to be on data and I think there'll be new ways that that's done whether that's geo targeting or you know I just think there's plenty of other ways that people will be able to target um, users on social media um, other than personal data um, that's available, sort of free range, if you will. Wow. So I think the big data take back did um, play out. Did play out. It certainly did. Um, so your next prediction was that in 2019, we would see the rise of the micro and nano influencers, those with smaller but highly engaged followers. And I'd say your crystal ball was absolutely right about this one. No doubt about it. This one I will proudly put the stake in the ground on to say I got this one right. Um, uh, Influencer is obviously my favorite topic. I could talk about it for days and days. But um, I do think that the the micro and nano influencers really took center stage in 2019. And I think they'll continue to do that into 2020 because um, from the communication side, you know, I think we care more these days about a small but very passionate audience than we did about the sort of wide sweeping breadth of a few million followers on someone's social account you know that's really impressive it's great metrics like vanity metrics but what does it actually say about who those people um have following Mm -hmm. them if we can target that down a little bit more niche by interest area by geography um those things are far more targetable and it's a lot easier for us to sort of say confidently that that's a good partner um as an agency on behalf of our clients because we know for sure that the people that tune into them care about the, the right kind of topics and we can you know, get really, really targeted into who we're talking to. So I say go off micro-influencers. It's your year. Yeah. Um, happy to see it. Check happy them to see out. it growing. Yeah. 
So next on the list is ephemeral content. And Paige, you predicted that we would see ephemeral content like Instagram and Facebook stories and Snapchat become more important when companies putting out more time into building these features out for ephemeral posts. I know I love a good Instagram story, so. <laughs> Me too. I think this is a yes. So if you actually, if you if you look back, at the beginning of 2018, I maybe fact check me but I'm pretty sure we didn't have many of the features we do now like polling mm. um, starting a chat yeah, questions yeah I think you're right Q&A during live um, broadcast live broadcasts at all being part of the storied content oh, yeah. live um, broadcasting together yes yeah. joint broadcasting so I would say uh, we saw really the the breadth of those resources like boom in, yeah. in that year um, and I think this is I will say um, sneak preview for the 2020 pre- predictions if you've not <laughs> read them I carried this one over into 2020 because I think it's still going um, it's still going strong I mean how many of those crazy like filters are really popular right now on Instagram mm-hmm. stories yeah. that like which like the quizzy content you know yeah. I just did a witch taco bell menu item am I I was the Mexican <laughs> pizza sorely disappointed in that one um <laughs> But, like, that is booming at this moment. And so I just think it's because it's such a space for creativity, both for just the average user to be really fun. Like, it's 24-hour content. You, you can risk a little bit. You can do things outside of your norm. Yeah. yeah. So for them, it's great. But also for, like, developers, it's really fun. I know Instagram, with you know, speaking of filters, particularly on Instagram, um, the tool to be able to build filters is becoming even more accessible. Like the average person can create a filter and mm-hmm. make it available to other users to play around with, right. um, whether that's like a fun quiz or just a pretty um, like colored filter and make <laughs> right, it look a little right. bit more blemish free. Um, so I think it's just like one of those places where people can play. And yeah. I think that's why it's so exciting why people love it. Uh, and I think it's just going to continue to, to grow. Um, so you know what? I just want to take a pause and say I'm doing pretty well in my predictions. <laughs> I think also, though, with the ephemeral content is just like you're not missing out on that data element. They added in the analytics in the ephemeral right. content. So like Instagram stories is really good about data. Yeah. So you can track who, how many people clicked on your location or if you have the ability to swipe up for a link, you can see how many people swipe, swipe up for a link. How many people are watching your content? Exactly. You don't get that from just the uh, the feed content, you know? Right. And you also see a lot of people posting their feed content in their story content just to get more eyes on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree more, and I think that there's kudos needed to, to Instagram and Facebook in particular since they're obviously the same, same company mm-hmm. for um, recognizing that the ephemeral content is fun but also we still need access to that content once it's passed. So even though the user can't, you know, the a follower can't see it after 24 hours, I can still see it exactly as it was posted and it retains all of the analytics in my archive. I think that's so great um, because it makes... Um, it's just such a solid feature to implement because, yeah. you know, I, as much as we love short-natured content where we sit on the communication side and sort of in the practitioner side, we still need to be able to go back and revisit that data and see exactly as it was posted. And the fact that they've built that feature in is a huge Huge. upgrade from what it was, which was truly ephemeral content. It was there and then gone and you couldn't retrieve it unless you had saved it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So seeing seeing that is huge, yeah. Paige, your next prediction was about episode-length video content. Do you think we saw more content creators move to episode-length content? You know, I am going to debate myself on this one. (laughs) Um, This 
prediction was really inspired by uh, the likes of Shane Dawson, who was really releasing, like, very truly serialized content on YouTube, full-length episodes of upwards of two hours each. So from a length perspective, was really doubling down on that episodic stuff. Um, Performed phenomenally. It was a great year for him and for others who followed. And we certainly did see creators follow suit on Shane Dawson's sort of episodic episodic approach. Um, But what I don't think happened was that that stuck across the board. Mm in terms of the length, but I do think this serialized content is really what rose Without to the top. Without a doubt, yes. So um, whether that is on new platforms like TikTok where folks are, you know, becoming very popular because they're doing sort of series content. Um, Alyssa and I were talking very recently about these like sort of story time type pieces of content that get broken into part one and two as like a, almost a clickbaity way to get people to come back to your channel or I'm visit stuck another. On those. I'm stuck on those on TikTok. You get me with a come back later to find out what happened. Of course I'm going to come back later. Right. I need to know what happened. Yeah. And those are really smart because either people will drive you back to that page or they'll say like, oh, part two's on my Instagram. So brilliant. Moving their TikTok followers to a different platform. So I think, you know, less about the length of content and more about the fact that it's like recurring and something that you can sort of be known for, if you will, like, you know, becoming very popular for a particular series or, you know, taking the approach of a traditional like television series in that there's a cliffhanger. I think that's really what we saw stuck and what I think is going to be, um, like if we had to turn this into a 2020 prediction, that's where we're going to see that yeah. kind of impact. Probably less about the length of two two plus hour videos or something right. like that. I think it works really great for people like Shane Dawson, but it's not a universal. Um, not everybody has not two hours worth that. of content to record. <laughs> not everyone has an editor willing to sit down for that long. Yeah, so right. yeah, cool. And don't forget, you made a bonus prediction that Twitter would be adding an edit feature in 2019, which was. Incorrect. Very wrong. Yeah. Uh, you can't get them all right, you know. <laughs> um, and I will say, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I actually, Twitter is a bit of a war zone yeah. in terms of, um, there's a lot happening on Twitter. Yeah. And I think it's better off that we can't edit them. Yeah, maybe it's best that we can't. I think it's just best that if you made an error, you can just delete. Yeah, right. Or if you're like me, I just embrace my typos and let them, <laughs> let them live on in infamy. There you go. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, for this edition of Rest Easy, a DMP podcast. Don't forget to check out Paige's 2020 social media trends prediction to find out more on what Paige saw in her crystal ball for 2020. You can find that story at newshub.divinepartners.com, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>